Hi, I'm Shannon. And I'm Rami. And this is Workplace Hugs, where we talk about interesting things we've read or heard to help us all expand our life toolkit with a whole bunch of empathy without a whole new degree. Uh, Shannon, this week we are talking about an article that you read. Yeah. By an article, by an uh, a writer that you really like. I must really like her because I, I we've already talked about one of her books before in a different episode. So yeah, so this week we're talking about an, an older article called The Authenticity Paradox by Erminia Ibarra. Um, and this came up in a coaching supervision group session where we were talking about uh, a peer of mine was struggling with a client who really wanted to be authentic. And someone had said, have you ever read this article? Because it might get you thinking a little bit differently about this word authenticity. So in essence, this article is really challenging the idea of, um, or, or it's asking, it's begging us to ask the question, can authenticity hinder your growth and limit your impact? So we're going to talk about that today, because I think so many of us, so many people, including us, Rami and I, maybe tell you to have a clear sense of who you are and to stick to it. But what if that's wrong, right? Like, what if that's maybe not the right thing to do? Like, stick so religiously to, to who you are. So three things we're going to talk about, maybe four, four things we're going to talk about today. What is authenticity in the first place? Why might it be harmful? What are some different scenarios that authenticity could be harmful? And then what should you do instead then if you shouldn't be authentic? So the first thing though that I want to touch on, Rami, is I know we've had a conversation before and you've said how much you hate this word. Uh, Yeah, I dislike authentic a lot. But before we get there, I want to ask you a question. Yeah. Which is, are we pushing for people to be authentic? Are we pushing for people to be true to themselves? Well, and maybe that nuance will come out here. Um... Well, let's talk a little bit about what authenticity is, because one of the definition points of authenticity is being true to yourself. Okay. But there's some other nuances here that I think you and I would say that's not what we would encourage someone to be. Okay. I do not like the word authentic. I think it's garbage. I don't think... I don't think when it's used, people are meaning it to mean what you think it means. Say more about that. Okay. Let's think about celebrities. Yeah. Let's not think about ourselves. Let's look at famous people. Yes. I think when we see a celebrity who's very off the cuff, who seems authentic, who seems very candid, we think that they're like authentic. I think uh, a common one who now is hated by everyone, but hasn't really changed what she's done is Chrissy Teigen. Everybody liked like she was always very... She's and, hated and, now? Oh, yeah, because she, like, bullies people or bullied people or something. I had no idea. This is how much I'm into pop culture. Okay, but she's someone who people would say, like, is very authentic. Yeah, I would agree with that. Very but real. I think that's, but I think that's just her brand. And I don't know that she's actually real. I think she's more real than others. But I think it's just her persona. And so when I... I think about authentic. I think about how you how you like manage yourself in various scenarios and situations and always um, 
and are always holding yourself maybe to the same like moral code uh-huh. as opposed to showing up the same way in all those places because um what do they call it when you when you can talk into different um you're adaptable no you can like um change it's like code speak what's it called it's oh a thing. code switching yeah yeah and i think that that's a i don't think doing that would make someone less i, I don't like the word authentic but less themselves uh-huh. I think they're just adapting to this situation. And as long as they're always, always acting and, and being themselves in that situation, making the same decision they would regardless of the scenario that they're in. I think they're being not, uh, I want to say authentic, but this thing. Yeah. I th- and I think you're getting at one of the concepts that we'll touch on a little bit. So I like that you're bringing that up of like, you can be true to yourself, but you might have multiple selves that you're true to in any given situation. Yes. Uh, The Chrissy Teigen thing though, I think that's so fascinating. The word that came to mind as you were describing her and authenticity is that it's contrived. It's like a a contrived version of it. And it's, it's, it's uh, when we say someone is authentic, maybe the, the, descriptors we would associate with that is real is um uh vulnerable is i'm trying to think of what else we would say chrissy teigen is like you know we'll show up without her makeup all that stuff but mm-hmm. it can still be very contrived uh yeah. calculated in a sense which then exactly eliminates authenticity whatsoever okay yes. so that's why robbie hates the word authenticity <laughs> and yeah. let's so let's break it down a little bit in terms of the article how does she define what authenticity is it is one being true to yourself two maintaining a strict coherence between what you feel and what you say or do and three, making values-based choices. I agree with all of this. So you agree that with what authenticity is or that these are things that people should do or both? I don't like the word authentic, but I like these three things. Okay. Be true to yourself. Maintain coherence between what you feel and what you say or do. Making values-based choices. Okay. So now let's go through these ingredients, though, and talk about why doing that might be harmful. This article really pushed my buttons. I just have to say that. And so I have to say, like, I think it's that's why I wanted to bring it forth to discuss, because I think it will challenge a lot of us who maybe value authenticity or sub in whatever word you prefer if you're like Robbie. (laughs) So let's go into each of these deeper. So the ingredient of being true to yourself, the challenge that she lays out in the article is like, but which self exactly? We could have many different selves depending on the different roles we have to play or what what Rami referenced earlier of, of the idea of code switching. So Rami, I'm curious, can you think of some different selves that you have that you choose to bring forward in different settings? Yeah, I can just illustrate this a little bit. Well, look, I think it's it's as simple as like when I'm hanging out with my kid, I'm going to talk to him way different than I'm going to talk to an adult. Yes. Now, if you want to call that code switching or if you want to call that various selves, Sure, but those two people are not the same person. Yeah, yeah. But they are the same person. They're just different versions of that self. Yes. And so we might uh, modify this ingredient to say being true to selves, if you will. You will have different selves that you might bring forward versus expecting yourself 
to show up the same way with just the one self persona everywhere you go. Do you show up with the same self everywhere, Shannon? I think I'm getting closer over time. Uh, but no, I would say that there's probably different selves that still emerge sometimes. Yeah. But I think about it, it's maybe similar to you of like, it's like ingredients that make up myself, but I might dial up certain elements or dial back certain elements depending on what a scenario requires. Frankly, I think about it even just with clients, like I have clients that might need a different thing. Like I have some clients that need and value more of the softer side of me because they are mm-hmm. really hard on themselves. And I have some clients who really need the more uh, accountability person side of me as they work through things. They're still both me. Like I am soft and I can hold people accountable, but it's deciding which lever you want to adjust that day to be in think- service to the situation. And I don't think that makes you inauthentic to have to pull on various selves, uh-huh. like portions of yourself in, I don't know. I just think it's, I think the idea that like you have to be one style and exist in all aspects of life, like doesn't even make sense. Like even with a partner, like you wouldn't always show up the exact same way because they don't need the exact same thing all the time. Yes. Right. The same as with your clients or the same as with our kids or like even with different employees that you work with or your coworkers. Yes. Right. Like some of them need a certain personality and some of them need another one. And that's just how it's going to be. Yeah, so maybe making the adjustment to say that you can be true to different elements of yourself or yourselves, if you will. Okay, let's move into ingredient number two. So ingredient number two is maintaining strict coherence between what you feel and what you say or do. And in the article, she talks about how doing this could actually cause you a loss of credibility if you disclose everything all the time. So she gives an example of a woman who was jumping into a new leadership role and took the real vulnerable approach to just be like, I don't know anything and I'm going to need your help with everything. And it made her team be far less confident in her ability as a leader because she was feeling some things inside and she was saying all of them all the time. So this one is delicate, right? Because I never want to encourage folks to lie, but I think I can see the point of this article of saying like, hey, let's maybe be mindful of what you're choosing to disclose and to who versus thinking in order to be authentic, you need to disclose everything to everyone all the time. (laughs) I think vulnerability is really tough in a workplace. And I think we've talked about this plenty of times on the podcast. I think vulnerability is one of those things that your workplace and your coworkers really have to earn yeah to get you to be really vulnerable and so that's where i think i agree right if you're vulnerable in a situation where you haven't earned that vulnerability it's going to be taken advantage of whether whether they're going to look down on you or whether they're going to push you out or whether you will never regain that connection with the team like those are all the things that are going to happen if you are vulnerable when you haven't earned credibility yeah yeah so rami can you think of a time where you felt and then did something and maybe you wish you you wouldn't have yeah i was super vulnerable once at work and then it just kept haunting me forever because it was like you wanted me you pushed me to be vulnerable i felt like we had built a connection 
And then as soon as I did it, you just took advantage of it as a vulnerability of mine. And it wasn't like a a shared thing. It was, oh, now you have the upper hand. One and so player. it's like, okay, well, why would I why would I be vulnerable to you when you're just going to take advantage of it? Yeah, 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 yeah. Thank you for sharing that. I can think of a time too with I can't remember if we shared this boss or not. Uh, but in my first management role, I felt so incompetent when I first started. And I remember sending an email to my boss way too late at night, basically being like, I think you hired the wrong person. I don't think I could do this job. (laughs) That is a time where I was trying to be really authentic and like Mm -hmm. say what I was really feeling and then acted on it immediately by doing something. And I deeply wish that I had not. I deeply wish that I would have maybe been authentic with a peer or been authentic with my partner or my therapist, but maybe not with my boss. And, and I guess my follow up question to both of us would be, would it have made you any less authentic to choose a different course of action? If you hadn't been vulnerable or if I hadn't sent that email to my boss, would it have made me less authentic? Bingo. Right. Because it's not like you're then doing the opposite of that, which is like, sending your boss an email late at night saying, I'm kicking ass. Look at me. I'm the best. (laughs) Like you wouldn't have just done a 180. I think not doing something doesn't make you less authentic. I think it just, it protects you and yourself in those scenarios where you need to protect yourself. Yeah. I think about the word discernment. Like maybe it's practicing discernment and maybe discernment Mm -hmm. is you being authentic. (laughs) like being Absolutely. discerning in different situations. Okay, so then the third ingredient is uh, about making values-based choices. So the point that she makes in the article is, well, your values may need to shift over time. So early on in your career, you may need to lead with tight control over operating details. Like when you're an individual contributor, right? Because that's your responsibility to have a lot of um micromanagement, so to speak, of your own business as an individual contributor. But as you advance, that could be considered micromanaging, if you will, if you were to do that with the people that you're leading. And I think the same is true personally. So I'm curious for us again to reflect here. Can you think of a time where your values did shift? Can I say that I'm the opposite of this example that you have? Oh, yeah. Tell us more. I'm was super bad at details. I'm not great at it, but I find myself much more focused on details now as I've progressed in my career than I did early on in my career, which is super weird. Yeah, I would say it's different. Like I'm thinking of a client I was just talking to yesterday. She's a a leader of leaders and she was trying to coach her brand new manager of like, hey, yo, your team feels like you're micromanaging them. So you need to back off. I would guess that that's probably more the the common direction but that doesn't mean that you can't go the other way so is there an example that comes to mind for you though where you had to shift values would you say like that is an example of value shift that you've had to make over time i don't know shannon tell me yours okay so the one that i thought of that's more personal in nature is when i was in my 20s Oh, really, I would say from the age of 13, I've been very obsessed with like financial security and frugality, right? I was a farmer's daughter. My parents were always land rich, but cash flow poor. And I knew that I wanted to have a different situation for my own lifestyle. 
So that was the value that I made a lot of my career choices based on and a lot of my personal choices based on like what would keep me the most financially secure? What was the most like frugal choice that I could make here to just like batten down the hatches? I'm in my mid 30s now. I'm in a very different place in my life. If I would have kept that value of financial security and frugality over all of the things, it would really be preventing me from enjoying my life now, right? Like we didn't take a honeymoon when we were first married because I was so committed to paying off our student loans. Sorry, Nate was like, hey, we should probably do this honeymoon thing that everybody else does after their wedding. You were like, it's not happening. We got to pay down these loans. Well, he he knew. Like, he was bought into, like, the plan that I had for us to try to, like, pay off our loans. But still, there was some conversation where Nate was like, so, honeymoon? And you were like, no. No. (laughs) Yeah, like, I guess, yeah. (laughs) He got on board with that. And we took one five years Mm. later. But if I would have always kept that, even after we paid off our student loans, you know, like, even after different choices like that, like it would really still be keeping me from enjoying life if I had maintained that value. So permission for your values to shift and change over time, that doesn't make you inauthentic. It just means that you're a human being and things are evolving for you in your life. Well, and I can't think of an example, but what I want to double down on what you're saying here is, I think it makes you even more authentic to change your values over time. Yeah. As long as you can articulate why. Right. There's this Mm. quote from the Beastie Boys that I brought up before where this person asked them like, hey, you guys are super sexist at the beginning of your careers. And now you're like super empowering to women. Like, what a contradiction. How do you sleep at night? They're like, well, we learned and now we know better than that. So this is who we are now. Like we wouldn't do what we did before because that's not who we are because we finally learned that that's a stupid way to exist. And so. I think if you're going to make a value change, even call it out and say, like, here's why I'm making this value change. And here's why this thing is now important to me or I'm or I'm taking a different stance on this thing. Yeah. And I would guess that's happening for a lot of folks through post pandemic life. You know, it's happening for a lot of folks where I think they're and even in the pandemic where they're questioning wait a second. What is this thing that I'm doing every day? Maybe we'll record a different episode on like the great resignation or the anti-work movement that's coming out. So those are three reasons why authenticity might be harmful. If we look at the step-by-step ingredients, now let's look a little bit at the when, like let's give some scenarios here that she talks about in the article that I thought were really compelling as well. Like when might it be authentic? When might authenticity be harmful? She talks about three that really stood out for me. The first scenario is when you have to take charge in an unfamiliar role. So she calls authenticity people like true to selfers, you know, like those people that are just like, I just have to be true to myself no matter what. When you're taking charge in an unfamiliar role, true to selfers may stick too long to comfortable behaviors that prevent them from meeting new requirements. So the example that we talked about earlier of being a micromanager. So instead, allow your style to evolve over time. Allow yourself to adapt to the new situation that you're in. Okay, so go ahead. ahead. No, you go ahead. Well, I was going to give like a cutesy example. So for me, uh, I'm on Instagram a lot, right? Like social media is a big part of my business, if you will, or a big part of, I would say, too, what brings me joy. So for me, my true to selfer is like this whole this whole new reels thing, which P.S. isn't even that new anymore. I'm not going to do that. That would just be inauthentic for me to do reels now. Yep. Well, what the hell? Like, really? You can't communicate 
in a, in a, a way that is still true to you, but just in a different format. Like, come on, get over yourself a little bit. Okay, two things. I like your really pun, because that's funny when you're talking about reels. <laughs> and then secondly, does that mean we're going to see you on TikTok soon, Shannon? Oh, gosh. I don't know. See, you say that, <laughs> but is it the same message in a different way and you're still being true to yourself, Shannon? I mean, perhaps, but that's an example where this article really pushed my own buttons to really think about, like, where am I using authenticity as an excuse to not, like, adapt or get with the times a little bit? Yeah. Um, I have a friend who just got a new boss and their boss is so used to, um, not being in the weeds uh-huh. that their team is really struggling with them as a leader mm-hmm. because that they need to be more in the weeds with the team and they just refuse to get down to that level. Yeah. And so there's like a huge divide between the team and this person. And it's taking a lot for this person to gain any credibility with the team because they don't prioritize the team like meetings and they don't prioritize like helping people with actual low level things because all they want to do is be like thought leadership and strategic. And that's not what is necessary at the moment. And it's I think it's one of these moments where like you need to be you need to be able to shift. Yes. Yes, that's another great example. So the second scenario where she says authenticity comes up and it can be harmful is when it comes to selling your ideas and or yourself. And I see this in clients a lot. So true to selfers or people who pride themselves in their authenticity often find the process of needing to get buy-in from others distasteful. It feels artificial or political and they believe that their work should just get to like stand on their own merits. Instead, consider seeing this as a developmental opportunity for growth, not just in the fact that like you have good ideas, but now you have to be also be able to successfully communicate and pitch them to others, right? Mm-hmm. So again, it's maybe this is similar to that Instagram example that I gave for myself personally, or like, right? Like, oh, I can have good ideas, but if I can't change the format or the way that I'm pitching them to others, then like, Get with the times, like get off your authenticity soapbox and maybe learn a new skill. <laughs> well, I like this example too, because I think a lot of people would say like, oh, I'm, I'm not being authentic if I'm now taking something that I love and trying to sell it. Uh-huh. And it's like, well, no, the whole point of existing is probably to make money so that you can <laughs> live and enjoy your life. Yeah. But you need money to do that in most scenarios. Yep. Um, so I like that. It's like, it's not, you're not being inauthentic by marketing yourself in the best way possible. Yes. Yes. And this goes for people who are entrepreneurs or in in a corporation, in a company or in a nonprofit, whatever, like you can have good ideas and you can learn the new skill of being able to sell those good ideas to other people. Okay, so the other scenario that she talks about where authenticity can sometimes be harmful is when we're processing negative feedback, because feedback often centers on style rather than skills or expertise. Negative feedback can sometimes feel like an attack on a person's identity and makes true to selfers, the authenticity folks, want to lock in even harder of like, well, then forget you. This must not be the organization for me because I can't be myself here, right? I think we, I mean, I know I can raise my hand and think of times where I maybe took that 
immature, authentic approach to things. Mm -hmm. So instead, consider embracing the reality that you'll need to, again, learn and change who you are throughout your life or throughout your career as you grow personally and professionally. Yeah, I like this because I think the most authentic way to process feedback is, and we talk about how many times have we done podcasts on feedback, Shannon? Like 20? I don't know. I, I feel don't like know. 10. A our first amount. episode, our first episode was called Thanks for the Feedback, I think. Yeah. Wasn't it? Yeah. So since the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> but I think uh, you're exactly right. Like, it's feedback. It's not going to always be positive, And you have to be able to just accept the negative. Yeah. And then figure out how to do as much or as little as you want to with it. But know that feedback is feedback and likely coming from a true place. So whether that means you need to make a minor shift and soften up whatever it is that you're struggling with or a major shift, I I don't know. And frankly, if you don't want to do that, feel free not to. (laughs) But um, it's going to be coming from a real place. So at least acknowledge that it's true and then do with it what you will. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so now let's talk about like what to do instead. I tried to weave this in a little bit throughout, but she has a couple of good points at the end of the article. So the first point is to take an adaptively authentic approach. So think of it as trying on possible selves and seeing which one works best for the scenario that you're in. That's not being fake. It's not. It's experimenting to figure out what's the right part of you or elements of you to bring forward in, in any new challenge or circumstance that you're facing. I like this. So I think of the example you brought up earlier, which is selling your ideas. Yes. So if you're someone who's more quiet in the workplace, maybe this is how you try projecting some of your ideas is like, okay, today, here's how I'm going to project one idea in this meeting. Cause I've been thinking about it and I have a good idea. So let me try this scenario and let me try that thing out. Maybe it works. If it doesn't work, cool. Keep adapting and see which self you want to bring to try and get that across. Yes. The second uh, thing that she encourages us to do instead is to be sure that you're learning from diverse role models. So borrow selectively from various people to create your own collage that you can then modify and improve upon. So I think about folks who are in uh, corporate roles, like you might only be looking up to your specific leader and then unknowingly begin to create some really deep, like rutted pathways of thinking like, oh, I'm just going to lead like my leader leads. Mm -hmm. So how do you make sure that you're looking out to the right and out to the left? For me, an example that comes to mind um, in the field of coaching now is when I, when I got my coach certification, I got certified with Hudson Institute. And so for a long time, like I was just like, it's the Hudson way. Like that is the way that I'm going to coach. And that's the way that I'm going to be in this industry. And then I started looking out to my right and out to my left and seeing like, oh, wait a second. There are some different philosophies here. There's some different approaches, tactics that I can borrow from to then like make my own what feels authentic to me approach Mm -hmm. to how I might coach. Anything come to mind for you, Rami, of how you've maybe like learned from diverse role models over time? Well, I think we talk about it when we talk about mentors is get mentors that are not in your space, like get people who are not in your line of work or even in your style of work, because those are the ones that are going to help you expand yourself as much as possible. Yeah. And honestly, it's nice when you have mentors who don't understand your work at all. 
because they're giving you a perspective that has nothing to do with the minutia, which is what you're going to be getting from your leadership or your team. And so I think that's one of the ways that I've always pushed myself is to have those connections and those partners way outside of my own comfort zone and my own space, because it helps me see different ways of um, existing, but also different ways of looking at scenarios. Nice. The last thing that she talks about of what to do instead is to not stick to quote your story. You know, so most of us have narratives about defining moments that taught us important lessons that we then allow to guide us into new situations, but the stories can become outdated. (laughs) So an example that came to mind for me as I was prepping for this episode was thinking about my number one strength when I was at Target was drives for results. You know, like I was a doer, I was an achiever. If I would have stuck to that story of who I was, I would have never changed my career coaching. Because as a coach, like, guess what? (laughs) I don't drive for anything. Like, everything I do is through another human being, essentially. Mm -hmm. So just being mindful of, like, what are the stories that you're telling yourself of, like, well, this is who I authentically am, right? I'm a farm girl from Wisconsin. I am a person that gets shit done. I drive for results. Maybe, maybe that served you really well up until this point, but maybe there's a new story that you can find and adapt. You did change your middle name, Shannon. It's no longer GSD. Yeah, it's no longer GSD. It's no longer. I love it. I love it. Any examples that come to mind for you, Robbie, where you had to change your story and not stick so rigidly to to who you thought you were authentically? I, I don't know. I feel like you've had a fun life change that lets you like have this like nice diversion. I feel like I've always been kind of the same middle, middle of the road, middle of the road, Rami. Maybe. Sometimes <laughs> I think kids can change you though, too. Like where maybe you have a narrative of who you are and then you have kids and you're like, oh shit, never mind. <laughs> Unless your kid is cool and goes along with doing all the dopey things that you like doing. Yeah, you do have you do have a great kid. Okay, so let's bring this home. Let's summarize it. So in short, staying true to you can be a recipe for staying stuck in the past. And it's most like heart of hearts, if I'm really direct in this. So be mindful of, of everyone's tendency to want to stay authentic as really being just an excuse to stay stuck or not change, right? So we're using authenticity as a placeholder to just not have to change. Well, and I really like the way that this is phrased because the reason I don't like authentic is because I think people want to project a version of themselves. Mm -hmm. And I think being truly authentic is being true to yourself and your beliefs and what you stand for and being willing to change those over time. Yeah. I think the least authentic person I can think of is someone who does not change at all over time because they are being authentic to themselves. Yeah. This is who I was when I decided I wanted to be a person at five and I haven't changed. And that's why I still only eat SpaghettiOs <laughs> or something. You know what I mean? Like, I think the most authentic you can be is to actually change over time and acknowledge that and show that you've grown as a human being. I and really love that. Perhaps like the most authentic people are people who have changed. Mm-hmm. Okay, so tactically, I'm just going to kind of regurgitate a little bit what we just covered in the what to do instead. So think about where might you be latching on to authenticity as an excuse to stick with what you know. 
for me, it's social media and reels. So that's my personal challenge to myself is to like get on the reels game or maybe even the TikTok game. TikTok. Yeah. Uh, two, how can you expand the role models that you're looking to? It might then expand the possible selves that you could try on versus limiting to the same old ones you've been looking up to for so long. We're going to add something here, Ami. No, you're good. Um, and then three, where are you letting your current story define you? And how might your story want to change a little bit to help you embrace what's wanting to happen next? Yeah, and be authentic. Change over time. Just yeah. tell people that you've changed and tell them why. And I think telling them why makes you way more authentic mm. than just saying, I believe this thing I believed 20 years ago and I'm not going to change my mind. Yeah, I love it. All right. With that, we'd love for you to connect with us uh, on LinkedIn at Workplace Hugs or on Instagram at Workplace Hugs. And once again, Robbie, I keep forgetting like what to what to have them talk with us about. I think has there been has there been something that has changed in your values over time that you yeah. want to share and, and tell us why? Yeah. Make yourself super authentic to us. I we love would love it. to hear that. Great. With that, I've been Shannon. I've been Rami, and this has been Workplace Hugs. <laughs>